Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with the UK-based founder of the Fabulosity Movement, Yolanda Drewell. She is an unconventional cheerleader who uses flamboyant style, language, and modalities to empower the world's women to look, feel, and do fabulous in their lives and business. She is a midlife anti-propagandist and style maverick espousing her signature modality, Fabulosity, a habit and philosophy which incorporates radical self-embracement, bold expression, and living life with lightness and curiosity. Her dance with Fabulosity formed over a number of years while she was consciously trying to work out how to create a successful, happy middle age. She's got a great story. Enjoy this interview. Hello. Hi, Yolanda. How are you? Hello, Joe. Hello, hello. I'm good. How are you? I'm excellent. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Can you hear me properly? Yes, absolutely. I can. Fabulous. Where are you coming out of? Um, I live in the UK, but as you might hear in my accent, I'm actually South African. Okay, that's wonderful. It's a great mix. I love it. It is. It's music to our Western American ears. So it's 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 a different level of listening to English. I'm so happy to hear that because when I hear myself, I think, oh, no, it sounds terrible. But we never like our own accent, do we? Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We always like it. So it's whenever whenever it can be on the other side of the pond, it's always fun. I know. Absolutely. For, for where, sure. where are you based? You're in you're in uh where I can't remember. Kansas City, Missouri, right yeah. in the middle of America. Yeah. So well, hey, it's great to meet you. And before we get into your very interesting life and, and your mission and what you've been doing, I wanna know how did you survive the last three years with COVID? How did you get through it and how did it change you? Well, we were so lucky, actually, because we are in the southwest of England and we're in the countryside, basically. So uh, we were very lucky. My kids were all at home and they basically all should have flown the nest. Well, three of them anyway, but they were stuck at home with me. So I had an extra year with my kids at home and we spent the time learning how to drive. We spent the time taking our dogs on walks and all that sort of thing. And we all got COVID. And uh, luckily, none of us, you know, we we all survived to tell the tale. And um, so, yeah, for us, it was actually a lovely time of coming together and really contemplating what life is and what's important. And family was important and, you know, good food and, you know, being healthy and, and exercising, all that kind of thing sort of came up as something that actually was more important than perhaps going out and spending money and, you know, all the things that we think we need. Yeah, for sure. I think it was a real good period of recalibration. And I hear that a lot from people that it was really a time of, it was a good time, a good time of, you know, reflection and spending time with family and all of that. So, I mean, it doesn't take away from the fact that it was a, it was a travesty, it was a pandemic, but at the same time, it, it had a monopoly on us. You had to do something with it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there are people who lost people and lost loved ones and that sort of thing that that couldn't have been easy. Yeah. But uh, with every crisis, there's always, you know, something good that comes out of it. Yeah, for sure. So let's get to the heart and soul of what you do for a living. If I put you in front of a bunch of grade school kids, third graders, it's career day. One of the kids looks up and says, what do you do for a living? How do you answer them? Oh, well, I help people feel good. In a nutshell. And I like to use the word fabulous, obviously, because that's my thing. Fabulous is like the nth degree of good. Um, It's the expanded version of good. So that's what I want all of us to feel is is the best possible version of ourselves. So is it is it technically coaching or or how would you quantify it? That's a really good question. And I'm not a coach. 
um, by any by any means. And um, what I like to do is inspire. I, I think I'm here to inspire. I think I'm here to challenge women because I think a lot of women could be fabulous. Well, they are fabulous, but they just can't see it. So yeah. I think I'm here to challenge societal norms. I'm here to challenge your own stories about yourself, your own self-beliefs that are often so limiting. And I think I'm also a cheerleader. So I'm I'm standing there on the sidelines just cheering women on to just literally let go of all the stuff that's holding them back and just live with freedom and spontaneity and activation and all those amazingly juicy and expansive versions and, and words. So when you were in the third grade, what was your dream? What did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, I had no idea. I was with my head down in my coloring books. And I was very much an introvert when I was young. And uh, one day that actually changed. I was so, so shy as a child, desperately shy of everything, scared of everything. And I remember one day when I was about 18, catching the bus to go to college. And I was terrified standing at the bus stop there, terrified that someone might talk to me or what I was scared of, I actually don't know. And I remember this exact moment where I thought to myself, this is not the way to go through life. And I'm not going to be scared anymore. And so what I did was I forced myself to get on the bus and walk all the way to the back and pretend that I was like other people looking for the best possible seat. And then I forced myself to walk all the way to the front again, pretending that I was like everyone else, just looking for a seat and then sitting down. And at the end of that, I felt like I was 10 feet tall. And that day changed my life. That's wonderful. So let's go back to where you were born and raised and these specific seeds that are in you to be creative and to help people get to a better place. How did that happen? I don't know. Like I say, I was I was born in South Africa. Mm -hmm. um, I was the eldest child of three girls. We were dancers, so we spent our days dancing. And we lived in Johannesburg, which has the best climate in the world. And so we spent many of our days swimming in our garden pool. We were very lucky. And so we had very idyllic childhood lives. And after that, I had a very sort of normal life. I went to school. I loved school. I wasn't particularly fantastic at anything. I was perfectly average. And then I left school thinking, what shall I do? And then um, I stumbled across public relations as a career. And so I did three years of public relations training, went into that industry, very quickly realized that I really wanted to be my own boss. I didn't like being told what to do. In fact, I hated it from the start. <laughs> and so I started my own PR company. And I guess that's kind of the whole thing about PR is visibility yeah. and, yeah. you know, exposure. And I suppose that was sort of the start of, of, of what I'm doing now, except I've kind of swapped my corporate clients for human ones, which yeah. I think are much more interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's interesting. I hear from a lot of people that revere the story of Nelson Mandela. And I mean, how can you not after 27 years to see a revolution that you wanted to come to fruition, come to fruition, but living in it, what was it like? What was the perception of the man? Wow. Well, he is much loved around the world still. Um, it was interesting because when I was growing up, for example, my parents who were adults at that time, I was still a child. It all passed over my head completely. Um, they had sort of a mixed view of him uh, because he was a rebel and they were very much, you know, part of the conservative sort of mindset of people. That's how they were brought up. And so I think they 
also struggled. They were good people. So they knew that there were things going wrong, that, that were things that weren't supposed to be there in the law and apartheid and all that sort of thing. They didn't quite know what to do with it. Um, so there was this rebel that was actually speaking the truth and saying the things that everyone really believed. But there was a law that prohibited all of that, you know. So it was quite a strange time, actually. But for me yeah. as a child, I it passed me by already. And the only thing that I remember, which I found really strange at the time, was that we had a, a wonderful housekeeper who looked after us. She kind of raised us. She was like our nanny, but she also cleaned our house. And uh, she was a black African, you know, South, a South African woman. And she was so loved by all of us. And she came in every day and we knew really nothing about her life, which I thought as an adult, even actually as a child, that's very strange. You know, we're so fond of her. We love her so much, but we don't know anything about her. And, and she had to drink from a different cup. So she had her own cup. Hmm. And I always thought that was very strange, but that was so ingrained in this silly South African, yeah. it was a crazy time. I'm so happy that it's changed. And I was actually there when apartheid ended and he was released and the government changed and there was hope and excitement for the future and very, very exciting to be there. I just can't even imagine what his brain thought when he actually got out and saw that what he wanted to have happen was happening, you know, after all yeah. of that time. You know, it's like I could think that's the epitome of life is that we have these dreams because we want to eventually see them happen. So whether it's an incarnation that's that big or something that's even smaller, it's like when you actually get to realize that, I think that's maybe our proof of a higher power or a proof that there is good in the world, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, so, he was a great man, incredible yeah. man. The vision that he had and to put yourself in jail, not put yourself, but keep yourself in jail until things change, which is literally what the decision he made. That is just incredible, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. let's, that's a great segue into my next question, which is who's been a hero for you in your life? So many people. So growing up in South Africa, again, I met, well, not growing up, when I was grown up, I met my husband-to-be who um, was a British man and he was living in South Africa. That's how we met. And he had a housekeeper uh, called Bertha who helped him and looked after him. And she was an elderly woman. And she basically came into our joint household and she was amazing. And she ruled my house. Um, it was the, the most wonderful relationship we had with her. She was such a role model. She was so bright, um, but had not the opportunities that, you know, white South Africans at the time had. So she had no education, yet she was a born leader. She was so strong in herself. She made such an impact on the world. She's been an, you know, a role model for me ever since I met her, which was 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, another woman I think that was really much a, a role model was Vivian Westwood, who died recently. She was a designer in, in the UK and she was also a rebel in the sixties. And, um, towards the end of her life, she was very much, um, an advocate for, for, um, saving the climate. And she was always saying, you know, forget fast fashion, buy less clothing, high quality clothing and enjoy and love what you wear. And I love style. I love fashion. And that really, you know, said something to me because that's how we really do have to live. We can't keep ruining our planet for the sake of of looking fabulous. And they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Of all of the. If you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now, who yes. would you love to meet? Who would you love to meet and spend some time with? Oh, my God. That's a big question. So <laughs> many people. Um, 
well, Nelson Mandela, if I could, I suppose. Yeah. Tina, Tina Turner. Yeah. Tina Turner, what a legend. Oh, I love that woman. She was absolutely fabulous. The epitome of fabulosity and the British queen, Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. Who reigned for so many years and would never step down because she said, I do not have a choice to be queen. I was born the queen. I was, you know, that is my calling. And I will serve and serve and serve until the day I die. And that's literally what she did. Yeah. What an amazing woman. Love her or, or hate her. She was amazing. Yeah. So what what is your motivation to do the work that you do? Every day you wake up, what is it that gets you through to accomplish what you want to get done? Well, you know, it also the whole fabulosity thing for me started with me trying to help myself. I I was in a funk a few years ago and um and I got it, it it went on for too long for me. And then one day again I woke up and I said, I'm sick of this. I don't want my children to grow up with a depressed mother. And actually, I want nothing less than to look fabulous, to feel fabulous and do fabulous things. And that's cutting a long story short what I set out to do. And as I was going through it and feeling so much better, I felt that my spirit was helping other people, just being being fabulous in my own skin, feeling fabulous in my own skin. And of course, fabulosity is relative. What you think is fabulous is completely different maybe to what I think is fabulous, but I was doing my version of fabulous. And as that, as I was doing that, the energy and my vibration was, was going out to other people and it somehow gave them permission to be fabulous. And I thought, this is what the world needs. We all need to help each other to really be the best that we can and to live our lives in the best possible way. And let's do it together. Yeah. So what's been one of your, what's been one of your best success stories that you've been involved with? Well, I've only just started this movement. And so what's very exciting is that I've just launched my book, which was a big milestone for me because I never thought I would ever write a book. I mean, I'm just little old me. That's yeah. what we all think, right? What can yeah. I do? I don't have a point of view. And um, I only started developing a point of view a few years ago when I stepped into my fabulosity. And this point of view is that every woman should look, feel and do fabulous. And what do I want to do? How do I want to inspire women to do that? Well, it probably needs a book, but I can't write a book. I've never written a book, what I'm going to write about. And I decided I would. And so I did. And that 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 is the message of the book, is that yeah. you can. Whatever you yeah. decide to do, you can. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. Well, and I think that's something that I've thought about now that we're coming out of this pandemic. Do you feel like we're entering a new age of enlightenment? I mean, there was a lot of things, I know even in America with George Floyd and all of the things that kind of brought race and class into a focus do you feel like now that the world's waking up in a different way that maybe we're entering as you're, you know, kind of bringing this fabulous movement to a forefront? Do you believe that we're in a level of enlightenment now as humans? I hope so. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, you know, you they, they say what, whatever you believe, you find evidence for. I would like to find evidence for the fact that we are moving in the right direction and that there is enlightenment and people are stepping out more kindly you know, more supportive of everyone else. There are problems in the world, but I choose to focus on the positive. So I certainly will play my role in making this world a better place. And I think that's ultimately what we all need to do. So of all the things that you've done so far in your life up to this point, what are you the proudest of? Oh, my children. My children, I've got four kids. It's such a cliche. I've got four kids. They're all, you know, leaving the nest now. And as painful as it is, it's amazing to see them 
use the wings that we've tried to give them. And um, they are such a um, reminder that you can be whatever you want to be. And as an oldie, and I think as soon as you sort of step through your midlife portal and go into your 50s and things like that, 40s and 50s, you sometimes get stuck. And you think, well, you know, my life's over and all that sort of thing. But actually these kids, not just mine, this generation are reminders that we can do whatever we want. And we need to also reinvent ourselves like they are stepping into new territories. So are we needing to do that to be able to live the fullest lives. And too many women, you know, I'm in empty uh, empty nest groups on Facebook and that. And there are so many women who are just desperate they, they're nowhere. They're so stuck. They're lost because their kids have left and they, you know, their whole lives were spent for them. And now is time. Now is the time to reinvent yourself. You can't mm-hmm. keep stuck. They're moving on. You have to move on as well. I've yeah. forgotten the question, but that's no, my you, answer. <laughs> no, you answered it. No, I like it. So speaking of you, if you had a dream tonight and ran into a, a younger version of yourself, say in your 20s, and you could give that yes. version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained in your life up to this point. What advice would you impart on your younger version? I think I would say that please understand that the world or the, the universe is working for you, not against you. Life is working for you, not against you. And if you can understand that, then even the things that go wrong, so-called wrong, things that are challenging, things are that are ugly, things that are you know difficult, those things, there's a reason for those things. And if you can just take a step back and look at your life with a broader perspective, all these things are happening for a reason. Find the blessings, find the lessons, embrace all of it because it means you're alive. And that's the best there is, is to be alive. Yeah. So just embrace all of it. Enjoy everything. Yeah. So speaking of everything, if you could witness one event that happened in human history with your own eyes, what would you love to have been at to see? I love that question. (laughs) Can I come back to that one? Absolutely. Let's do this. (laughs) Let's really jog your memory here. This is the therapy question. Everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you run the show. What is your perception of who you think you are? Who do you think you are? I think I'm a positive force. I think I'm loving, I'm persuasive, and I, I'm a challenger. I think that's how people would see me, that I challenge you. Um, and that's quite a nice place to be, although it's quite scary sometimes because not everyone wants to be challenged. But I think that's my role. I think that's how people would see me. So... As somebody that wrote a book, what was the first book you read when you were younger that really kind of opened the door to wanting to read more or to potentially write and and write a book someday? I think probably it wasn't so long ago. It was a, a book called The Audacity to be Queen by Gina DeVee. And I love that. I love big words. So the word audacity already captured my imagination. And the audacity to be queen. I mean, the queen is on the same level as fabulous, isn't it? It's it's expansive and it's cheeky and it's challenging. And that book was a reminder, actually, for me that the, the, the accountability is that I have to stand in my own power and I have to pick myself up and do what I want to do. I'm the only one that can do it. And uh, so that book was quite a life changer for me. Okay, we're going to circle back around. What would be an event? You could pick a few. What What would you love to have seen? 
birth of Christ. There you go. See, <laughs> that's it right there. Yeah, there we go. Wouldn't right everyone. Excellent. So if anyone wants to pick up the book, learn more about you, hire you, anything about your world, where can they go? Just my name, Yolanda Drool, or come be fabulous everywhere. Excellent. Yolanda, thank you so much for your story. Thank you for your time today. Best of luck with the book and everything else. Thank you. It was such a pleasure to chat to you. It was great. I loved it. Thank you. All the best. All the best. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.